Good morning, Toronto. I'm Andy McNamara. This is Toronto Today, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, and on the TSN app. Oh, it's going to be a big day today, folks. Big day. Masai Ujiri speaks, and we will have it live for you at 12. Noon is the Masai Ujiri press conference. Catch it right here. Before that and after that, we're going to be taking calls on the Raptors. Kawhi Leonard, have you wrapped your head around that he's coming? That DeMar DeRozan is gone. Now, the physicals for Kawhi and Danny Green are occurring apparently today, according to TSN and ESPN. So, assuming that goes well, Kawhi Leonard will officially, officially be a member of the Raptors. But here are the phone numbers, 416-870-1050, 416-870-1050, toll-free, 855-591-6876. If you want to tweet me instead, you can do it at andymc81 on Twitter at TSN1050 Radio. In a couple minutes, we'll be getting NBA TV basketball analyst Akil Augustine on the line. We'll talk a little open championship golf as well, some NFL, some CFL, but the focus of the day is the Raptors. We've got a poll question up for you at TSN1050 Radio at AndyMC81. And it's around what the season is going to look like with Kawhi Leonard leading the way. So at TSN 1050 Radio, with Kawhi Leonard leading the Raptors as they stand now, how will the season end for Toronto? Will it be a trip to the NBA Finals, getting to the Conference Finals, or an early playoff exit? Trip to the NBA Finals, getting to the Conference Finals, or an early playoff exit? Vote at TSN 1050 Radio, at AndyMC81. You can also text... 10 50, 50. And, and feel free to share your memories on DeMar DeRozan. What does he mean to you? As really with Masai Ujiri speaking, it brings really into reality that the DeMar era is over. That this is, we're moving on. And if healthy, you are getting a hell of an upgrade overall. Defensively, offensively. And DeMar DeRozan, it was, it's, it's a situation where we're so used to, especially in baseball and basketball, being spurned by star athletes, right? Being, being oh, um, no one's coming to Canada, the dollar, the whatever. And if anybody likes us, we're like needy kids, right? If anybody likes us, oh, they're our best friends. We want to stay. We want them to stay forever. And DeMar embraced. He resigned. So did Lowry. You can send some text to 105050. Got one here from Julia in Toronto. Says, uh, honestly, deal aside, and there's so many opinions. My biggest message is just wanting to thank DeMar DeRozan for everything he has done for the city. People don't react the way they do to a deal like this if there's no emotion attached to it. And the fans, regardless of where they stand on the deal, should be on their feet every time he gets the ball when Toronto plays the Spurs this season. I think that's a great message. I think that's a, This is going to be a case. There's going to be no booing, of course, because DeMar didn't want to leave. He wanted to stay. And the evasion... When he comes back, is I think it's going to be deafening. It's going to be a lot of fun to have him come back and be honored the way that he really should be. One of the all-time great Raptors. To me, it's still under Vince, but a guy who stayed, who delivered, who helped lead this team. Regular season success, we can't discount that. It's not where we wanted to get fully come the playoffs. But you won a division, multiple division titles a top seed in the Eastern Conference. Things unseen, unheard for this Raptors team. Used to be a joke. 
No one took the raptors seriously. Look at a cute little dinosaur running around. Okay. Now they're a legitimate perennial contender. To what level? Well, that's to be determined. Have uh, a text again to text 105050 from Randy and Pickering. It says, let's embrace Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green and go out and win the East and get to the NBA Finals. Go Raptors. Randy's fully on board. Exactly. That, that's kind of where my mindset is. Appreciate what DeMar did. Appreciate what this franchise has done up to this point. But ultimately, ultimately, it's not good enough. And we had to get to this point, though. Right? We had to get to the point of, all right, let's win the division. Raptors were terrible for so long. Win the division. Fan base loved it. Okay, win a playoff round. They did it. Finish with the top seed in the East. They did it. But now we're in a position, as Toronto sports fans, where we're good. Now we want to be great. Now we want to take that next level. And it's a different narrative from just wanting to get to the playoffs or win something when the team is bad. So DeMar and this whole core have taken the Raptors as far as they can go. I would have liked to have seen, in some regard, what they could do without LeBron James being in the way and being that haunting ghost surrounding them the whole time. But instead, Masai rolled the dice. One-year rental, perhaps, in Kawhi Leonard. Again, the Masai Ujiri press conference live here on TSN 1050 at noon. Let's welcome in uh, NBA TV basketball analyst Akil Augustine. Akil, how's it going? It's going well. I'm on my way to the press myself. There you go, man. So what should we be expecting out of Masai Ujiri today as far as reasoning for the deal, uh, what he had to give up, what he's getting back, and ultimately your, your takeaway from if Kawhi Leonard passes the physical today, which hopefully he does and doesn't put a, a, a snag in everything, what's your takeaway from this deal as a whole for the Raptors? Well, if you get over the, I guess, DeMar DeRozan angle and um, you get over the fact that the kid was great, player for the organization, stand-up guy, helped reinvent the history of this franchise. What Masai did was put all options on the table. You take a look at the difference in contract structure. The bar is guaranteed two with the player option. This being the last year of Kawhi's deal. What he's done is he's gone and got a player that people don't believe the Raptors have a chance of acquiring in free agency, at least that level of player. He's a top-five player, in my opinion, if he's healthy. And you didn't think you were going to get one of those guys that's uh, it's a conference league altering trade. You get him, his contract is different. It's a one year. So what you have is a year to sell Kawhi Leonard on Toronto. Soft-spoken guy. I'm not sure how much he knows about Toronto, but the Paul George situation in Oklahoma City lends to the thought that, guess what? If you get a guy in a place kind of thinks with his vibe, then you could sell him on the place. So you have that option. Well, what you also have is, at the end of this one-year deal, Kawhi decides to stay. You re-sign him. You have the bird rights, extra money. That's something that no one else can offer. He decides not to stay. You have the ability to do sign-and-trade, and that's going to bring back lots of talent. If he decides to leave, no sign-and-trade, just go sign somewhere else, that puts you in a position where the Toronto Raptors now just lost $20 million, uh, off the of books for Kawhi. Kyle Lowry is $30 million in the final year of a deal. There's a back of is it twenty million in the final year of a deal. You own a style shooter in a seventeen million in the mm. final year of a deal. You got about a hundred million dollars worth of cash space. And if you think about it, Masai Ujiri was going to blow this team up five years ago. That was his intention. He was he had the vision 
he was going to build his own vision. What happened was once the boys got out there, they were blown up, and then Nick Trey didn't go through the Lowry. The team took off in one of the five years after the greatest basketball that the Raptors organization's ever seen. So he never really had a chance to, to, to really do what the original vision was. Remember, Nick Nurse being hired as a coach, this is the first head coach that Messiah and Jerry has ever hired. That's right. The Raptors. Yeah. So he hasn't really had a chance to put a stamp on this group in a certain way. So this Kawhi deal has put a whole bunch of options on the table. Now, the options are going to be predicated by what Kawhi does, but there's a lot more flexibility towards the future of the Toronto Raptors franchise, especially knowing that the fan base was growing frustrated with a stale team that kept stalling. And I'm not sure even with LeBron out of the conference with the rise of Philly and the rise of Boston, that it was a gimme or a promise that the modern Rosen led Toronto Raptors team would get you to that promised land. And to get Kawhi Leonard in this four year, the fact that it comes with all these other caveats and potentialities, I think to me, is a brilliant basketball decision. In conversation with Akil Augustine, NBA TV basketball analyst, on his way down for the Messiah Jury press conference, which you will hear live at noon here on TSN 1050 on Twitter at Akil Augustine. So, Akil, we, let's say we take, on paper, you have Kawhi Leonard, full health. What he was two years ago, fully healthy guy, and the Raptors pretty much as is. And you look at the Celtics, and they come back healthy. Are the Raptors, as they're built now, compared to the Celtics and Philly, if they're healthy, taking all that into account, are they good enough to get out of the East and go to the NBA Finals as is? Yes. Basketball is a game where one player can impact the game tremendously, more so than any other sport, maybe individual sports like racing and tennis. But Kawhi Leonard is, in my opinion, if you're talking two years ago for Finals MVP season against the Cavs, he's the best player in the Eastern Conference. In my opinion, he's the best. Giannis, up and coming. Kyrie, limited by size. So, I think he's the best player. And if he's the best player, we saw what LeBron James did to this conference. Not saying he's LeBron James, but he's the most comparable thing in that he can, you know, shoot, pass, rebound, steal, block, lead. What else do you need, right? So, yeah, I do believe that in the Kawhi, healthy Kawhi, they are a top seed in the and Akil, when we look, obviously Kawhi's the headliner, duh. Uh, but Danny Green, what did they get back in Danny Green? That's kind of been the, the lost man to this point. How does he improve this team? Well, who's going to play two when you think about it? Norm hmm. Powell struggled um, last year, and you ship your all star two guard into Marta Rosen. But who was going to play the two? And I think that's a very important uh, piece that Masai got back. You got Danny Green, got who. A couple of years ago, was one of the best three-point shooters in the league. And of course, he hit some rough patches, and you never know what a change of scenery will do for a guy like that. But at the same time, you think about the defensive team that Nick Nurse is going to be able to put on the floor. Nick Nurse, of course, we talk about, you know, he's huge for the young guys and for the offense. He may not have to do too much work defensively because he's got Kyle Lowry is a tough defender. And, and, and he's got maybe last year's Kyle Lowry. He's a lot less active. But, you know, he's been historically a, a, a tough defender. He's still Danny Green, too. Danny Green is a great defender. You put a quarter at three, he's a great defender. You can put a lineup where you can even find OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam on the floor. He's a great defender. Mm. So there's a lot of defenders on this team now when you add Danny Green at two. So, I mean, there's angles there. Danny Green is a shooter. And, you know, over the last two years, we were saying it's a Raptors team. You need to add shooting. You subtract one of the worst three-point shooters in the Rosen, Rosen. And you add a guy who at one point was one of the best three-point shooters in the entire league. 
And then you still have C.J. Miles, another three-point shooter. I think they're addressing certain areas. and it's very, it's, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens next because on paper, you know, analytically, they've done their job. They've done their homework in filling in certain holes that maybe, you know, were present in the previous iteration of the team. Okay, Akil, you got me excited now. Like, did you feel, <laughs> did, do you feel, though, like, it's strange. Like, if you were just to say, hey, the Raps are going to get a top five player in the NBA – the fan base would be ecstatic, but because it's DeMar DeRozan, it feels, it, it just feels like something's been taken away, like it's more of a sad feeling. Maybe after today when Masai talks and when eventually we, we see Kawhi or hear from Kawhi, then the energy will get picked up. Like, is it, it, Have you felt a strange kind of vibe from the fan base because DeMar was so loved? Absolutely. It's a perfect storm. When you think about yeah. it, Toronto's a very young NBA city, so they haven't gone through, you know, Having a top flight all stars and having to leave the last time this the last two times this happened they were extremely sour events in that it was Vince Carter and Chris Bosh and both guys left on their own accord and to know that the history with Demar Derozan has been the I got us tweet and the stand up guy he's been for the city and for the country there's a certain affiliation right there's a certain he's almost like a maple leaf yeah in the way yeah. people associate him with Canadian and Toronto sports a certain negativity that surrounds that and then. There's, you know, again, you got to speak to the vacuum of information about the Kawhi Leonard situation. I think this has been a, um, a place where Bleacher Report and The Score and, 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 and Yahoo have really taken advantage of the fan base. You look every hour, Kawhi Leonard doesn't want to play in Toronto. Kawhi Leonard is warming to the idea of playing as well. Like, these reports are ridiculous, and there's a lot of journalists out there that are taking advantage of people and creating a lot of hyperbole and nonsensical news. It, it, it isn't even true. They're not getting quotes from sources. They won't, they won't claim who the quotes are. So I think from a Raptors fan, there's a lot of trepidation because they, they don't know what Kawhi's head right. is. And people have played on the fact that, preyed on the fact that there's, no, there's a vacuum of information. And so they've thrown out their own opinions. And there's all these different things being said that honestly nobody has heard anything about any of these stories that are quotes. They've only heard what some writer has decided to say about a situation that he has no access to. And so I think that plays a very big role in how the Toronto uh, Raptors fans and the entire NBA right now is reacting to this trade because Kawhi's not a very outspoken guy, and you have a lot of outspoken writers and journalists who who, who decide to take advantage of that and to go and fill the air with whatever they feel is going to get the most clicks as clickbait news, and it's frustrating because – you don't know, you know, you don't know. And, and then all of this stuff is coming out and people are going to run with it. Akil, you have calmed my nerves. I hope you've calmed some of the nerves of, of Raptors fans too, because there just seems to be this angst of, yeah, does Kawhi want to be here? Thank you hey, so listen. much. Thank you so you much, said, man. Absolutely. Take you, take, do your thing, man. Absolutely. All right. Enjoy the press conference. That is Akil Augustine bringing it. NBA TV basketball analyst on Twitter at Akil Augustine. I like what he said at the end there. He has Kawhi hasn't spoken. We're hearing hearsay and what ifs. And because we are so conditioned, especially on the basketball side, lesser extent on the baseball side, of just being that nervous, shy kid in the corner of, oh, does anyone want to play with me as a Raptor fan? We just automatically jump to, okay, it's got to be true. No one wants to play here. We can't get stars. But we don't know yet. That might play out to be true with Kawhi, but we don't know yet. Masai Ujiri at noon, live press conference to address the giant trade that went down, of course, sending DeMar DeRozan to the Spurs and bringing in Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green to 
the Toronto Raptors. We'll step aside. More Raptors talk. We'll give you an update on the Open Championship and also a little NFL conversation with Zig Fricassi from Sirius XM. That and more coming up on Toronto Today. Live at high noon, we will have coverage of Raptors President Masai Ujiri, the press conference coming at you. The reaction after that. We'll open up the phones. 416-870-1050-855-591-6876 to get your reaction to what Masai said. Kawhi Leonard coming to town, the departure of DeMar DeRozan. It's been kind of a bit of a, a somber tone to getting a true all-star and a top-five player in the league. Will that change once Masai speaks and get some closure on that for the Raptors and move on? And, and hey, if healthy, get it, start getting excited. Akil Augustine, I thought, did a great job teeing that up of saying, look, you realize if Kawhi is healthy, what you're actually getting. It's a star. So we'll get to that at 12. Some NFL talk coming up in a couple of minutes with Zig Fricasi, host on Sirius XM NFL host. But let's get an open championship golf update here. Golf Insider brought to you by Subaru. Summer nights are made for Subaru. With lease rates from 0.5% at your local Ontario Subaru dealer. Subaru, confidence in motion. So if we go on the uh, the Tiger watch here, he is currently tied for uh, 28th at even. So Tiger has a, a way to go. Moving up, leaderboard, uh, Kevin Kisner actually just taking the lead over Zach Johnson at 7 under par. Johnson in second at 6 under. Tommy Fleetwood is in third at 5 under. Rory McIlroy is tied with uh, Kevin Chappell and Van Ruyen at 4 under par. So we'll keep you up to date on that. Of course, on tsn.ca, you can track the Open Championship. And I always find it funny when we all kind of get excited when a major comes or a new tournament and Tiger's playing. And it's like, maybe this is the one for Tiger. Maybe, maybe this is the comeback. And you kind of talk yourself into it. And actually, as of an update, he is now tied for 31st at even par for Tiger Woods. And then the, the play starts. And it's like, oh. Oh, yeah, he's still not, still not very good. He's still not back. I don't think... Like, he has to... We're, we're, we're just all hypotheticals as far as... Well, Tiger could win another major. Well, wh- wh- why? Why do you point to that? Why do you say that he could win that when he hasn't shown anything over a whole weekend? Anyway, that's your open championship update. Let's swing around the NFL offseason storylines. Training camp going to be starting up in ooh, end, of, end of the month, a couple weeks. And then we'll be right back into it. Zig Fricassi from Sirius XM NFL, one of their terrific hosts. Zig, how's it going, man? Andy, it's been a while. How are you? I am doing well. And, uh, I see on your, your Twitter feed you watched the, the CFL game last night, and of course you're aware that Terrell Owens could be playing in a few days or at least get onto the field activating that 10-day win- window with the Edmonton Eskimos. What do you make of a 44-year-old Terrell Owens trying to make a go of it in the Canadian Football League? Oh, boy. I don't know <laughs> if there's enough snow up there in Edmonton for that to cool him down. Right. Um, you know, he's also in his situation with the Pro Football Hall mm-hmm. of Fame where he's not opting not to go to the ceremony and, you know, obviously have his day in the sun at his alma mater there. So, T.O., he is what he is. He's a great receiver, but all the drama, all the narcissism, Quite frankly, Andy, I don't know if I'd want the distraction if I'm the Edmonton Eskimos. Yeah, I'm with you, especially as how good and how deep they are at receivers. So we'll see. Hey, what what a story it would be being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, even if you don't actually go, and then playing 
pro football up in Canada. That'd be it'd be crazy. Terrell Owens and Johnny Manziel in the same league. Did you ever think you'd say that? That's uh, north of the border. Well, how about <laughs> Jerry Glanville? He's probably yeah. leaving tickets for Elvis right now. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. All right, Zig, so let's get to some of the offseason storylines as we get ready for training camp. Is there a division that is the most interesting to you? Because you can make a couple of different arguments. The uh, NFC East, I'm looking at the AFC West as one of those divisions. What does Case Keenum do? How does the transition from Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes play out? And then you got, of course, the Raiders trying to bounce back and the Chargers with Phil Rivers. Let's start with the AFC West. Of, of That division seems like it's really up for grabs. I would say so. I think you got a valid point there because, obviously, with Denver, as you talked about, you got the new quarterback there with Case Keenum. I still think they have a, a good enough uh, defense, obviously, with Von Miller leading the way. So, uh, But I think their window may be closing a little bit. You've got the uh, Chargers now into their second year in Los Angeles. Uh, there's a franchise there, Andy, that for whatever reason, they always seem to start slow, come on like a house of fire towards the end of the season and people are going to say oh wow at nine and seven they should have been in and this and that so you just wonder though how much uh, shelf life philip rivers has left mm-hmm. then you've got then you've got the raiders who are obviously in oakland for now but then we'll be moving to vegas here for a couple of years you know you got the big sizzle hire of john gruden although people are wondering you know, if he was away from the game this long, well, technically he hasn't been away from the game because he's been doing the Monday night broadcast and he's been talking with coaches and players and obviously into the strategy, but coaching and broadcasting are two different things. Can they get Derek Carter play like he did two years ago? That defense, which was a sieve last year, you know, can uh, Ken Norton Jr. get things turned around there? So, You've got a lot of different things going on, and then obviously Kansas City. Here's the team that's the uh, the you know the franchise was the division winner last year, but now you're changing quarterbacks. You're going with the second year guy, Patrick Mahomes. Is that going to be a big time adjustment? They lose Peters defensively. Derek Johnson is now a Raider, so that's a that those are a couple of key performers that are away from that team. So each team has their questions. You could probably make a valid case for at least two, maybe three of those teams winning that division because it's that wide open. Yeah, yeah, and especially with with Mahomes coming in, that's for the Chiefs. That window was open, but they felt they needed to do something to take the next step. Let's swing to the AFC South, and this, oh, boy, Zick, this is just as wide open because all right, you have the Houston Texans who bottomed out when Deshaun Watson went down, if healthy, and if he can pick up where he left off. All of a sudden, they're division contenders, obviously. The Andrew Luck spinning situation of, okay, is he, won't he, could he, when, is he going to come back? (laughs) The Jaguars, who it still feels weird saying are good. And the Tennessee Titans, new head coach, they look like they could be poised to take that next step. Another division where I think you can make a valid case for three of those Mm -hmm. four teams winning, except Indianapolis, and only because we don't know where Andrew Luck is right now. Plus, you've got... You know, a new head coach there in Frank Reich. You've got a new defensive coordinator in Matt Eberflus, so you've got to wonder, you know, how long the adjustment comes. You've got Jacksonville, who was within a half of getting to their first Super Bowl last year. I thought, I thought Doug Marone got a little bit too funky with the play call in there towards the end of the first half where they had a chance to really put 
New England away? Can Blake Bortles do it once again? They've had some turnover uh, with personnel on the offensive side. The defense looks very good. And then, uh, as you mentioned, with you know Tennessee, you know Mike Mike Malarkey, I, I thought did some good things last year, but I think his stubbornness came back to bite him. So I think that's why he's out of a job. Mariota seems to be on the ascending side when it comes to his career. I think they've got a really, really good defense. And then, of course, you got the Houston Texans, who, Andy, I think on paper are the best team in the division. I just saw today uh, Deshaun Watson said that he's going to be ready a full goal for training camp. And here's a young man who lit the NFL on fire last year and had that wonderful game against Seattle before he went down uh, with the torn ACL. This kid has the it factor. You could tell when he got into the huddle last year that he elevated that offense. Um, Obviously now with J.J. Watt being healthy and then a healthy uh, Merciless, healthy Jadavian Cloudy, they have the elements of being a top-shelf defense. So, Three of those four teams could win that division. And, again, if Houston, and it's been a big if for them the last couple of years with their health, I think they have the best talent on paper in the AFC South. In conversation with Zig Fricassi from Sirius XM NFL host on Twitter at Zig Fricassi. One more division to swing through with you here, Zig. And, again, sure. we, go to the, we go to the conversation, and the more I look at it, the more exciting this NFL regular season seems to be because of the parity and, and so many teams can win a division from within it, the NFC South, the Falcons uh, two years removed from a Super Bowl, the Panthers with Cam Newton seem re-energized, the Saints were, world, were one crazy play from getting to the next level, and then the Tampa Bay Bucks with Jameis Winston and that whole quarterback question, uh, is he at the same level as Mariota or is he actually descending? What do you make of the AFC South or NFC South and where that division can go with all those players? Boy, there's another one that you could yeah. throw wide open. Three, um, three out of four, I, I guess I'd say. With, yeah, I mean, well, you had three playoff teams last year. Tampa, I thought, was going to be a team that mm-hmm. made that next step up, but then uh, it was obvious to see that uh, Jameis still has some issues on and off the field, so they need to resolve that. And I'll, I'll tell you this, if you know that first three games, I mean, they were already in the soup because you already, I think they opened with the Saints, and then just for laughs, you have the Eagles and Steelers back-to-back, too. So even with Jameis in there, Andy, you may have a chance to go 0-3 to begin with. Now with him out, that's definitely a possibility. And if they stumble at all, you got to wonder about the futures of Dirk Cutter, the coach, and GM Jason Light, who I love both of them. I think they're two great people, but it's a results business in the National Football League. You mentioned Atlanta, two years removed from a Super Bowl, and if Matty Ice completes that pass to Julio Jones in the final minute, we're not talking about the Nick Foles-Philadelphia Eagles yeah. Super Bowl last year because Atlanta was right there to get back to the NFC Championship. I think they have the best talent on paper. I just hope you know Julio Jones not getting a restructured contract you know, and him being a little bit unhappy, I hope that doesn't uh, become a cloud over this season. But I, I could see Atlanta – getting back to the postseason. Uh, New Orleans, obviously, made some big steps last year defensively. My guy, Mike Nolan, who I did the show with on Saturday nights a couple years ago, really did a great job with the linebackers, and the the defensive presence is very good. Uh, How they survive without Ingram the first four games is going to be key. Can Kamara 
shoulder up more of the load? You know, will Drew Brees have to go back to throwing the ball 50 times a game? That'll be interesting to see. And then you've got, of course, the Carolina Panthers with Cam Newton, who may be the most talented quarterback in that division. Uh, got some interesting competition now at wide receiver. I'm looking for Funches to have a big year. Obviously, uh, DJ Moore is a kid they drafted. They traded for Torrey Smith in the offseason. Who settles as far as the top back is concerned? Defensively, they've got some concerns. Right. Thomas Jones is going to miss the first four games due to suspension. Do we know how Luke Keekley's shoulder's doing? And at 100 years old, how long can Julius Peppers keep going? I mean, yeah. it's really amazing to see what he's able to do. So, And then you got the new ownership there. How does that settle down from you know Mr. Richardson's run of things? So a lot of questions, but again, I think you could see three teams making a run at that division. And who's, who would be shocked to see all three of those teams trying to get back to the playoffs? Oh, yeah. I wouldn't. No, me neither. So we, we just ran through three divisions that are completely up for grabs. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll leave you with this one, Zig. Uh, announced this morning the NFL is hitting the, quote, pause button on the new national anthem policy, yeah. which has just been a complete disaster PR-wise from the get-go. Uh, where do you think this ends up going? Like, it just seems like it keeps dragging and resurfacing and putting a cloud over the NFL. Well, it's funny that that statement came out late last night, Andy, because I put it on my updates yesterday that the Associated Press had reported that the Miami Dolphins were going to either fine or suspend or both players who demonstrate during the national anthems. So the proverbial poop storm fired up on that. So. <laughs> That's why I think uh, you ultimately had that joint statement with the uh, league and the players association. Look, I, I get it. You know, if you're a fan, you've probably worked your tail off the entire week. You don't want to hear about you know real life coming into society, uh, and you want to just be entertained by the game. Then there's the faction where maybe you know some of the elected leaders and. Local leaders here in the states maybe aren't helping people like they should. Again, that's a discussion on another show at another time. I think they work a resolution. I know it had been discussed. Players, they could stay in the locker room. You know, do you just have the national anthem and not have the players on the sideline and then they come out? I don't know if there's any real or easy legislation or solution to this, Andy. I just hope it's one of these things where... Uh, people have a little more understanding that there are issues in the states and maybe other countries too when it comes to you know societal type of things. But uh, we also want to be entertained and not be burdened by that too. So exactly. that's a higher pay grade than mine, my friend. Right. <laughs> I just hope the next time they throw something at the wall and it's the right thing that sticks, and then we can be done with this whole yeah. thing and get back to football. Well, Zig, always a pleasure, man. Let's do it again soon. Andy, anytime, man. Thank you. All right, brother. Zig for Cassie. Sirius XM NFL host on Twitter at Zig for Cassie. At high noon, Raptors president Masayu Jiri addresses the media press conference on the Kawhi Leonard Danny Green deal that sent beloved all star DeMar DeRozan and Jakob Pertl and a protected first round pick to the San Antonio Spurs. We'll have Sound Wars and uh, hear also from Argos offensive lineman Chris Van Zyl before that. A lot more coming up on Toronto Today. The greatest moments in history are now up to you. This is TSN 1050's Sound Wars. Yeah! 
It is 11.42 on Toronto Today. I'm Andy McNamara. You're listening on TSN 1050. All right, folks, this is, as you know, we're rolling along the second annual Sound Wars battle here on TSN 1050, where we pit different best of moments from the year from around the world of sports and on the station against one another in a bracket-style competition. So time for a Sound Wars battle in the Oh My Goodness Conference. It's seed number four, the Minneapolis Miracle. Case on a deep drop. Steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side. Caught by Diggs. Stay oh, my God, oh my God! Oh my God! was an all-timer. The Saints looked for sure. And Case Keenum balled out, and it resulted in him getting paid with the Denver Broncos this year. That's seed number four. That's going to be tough to beat. But we go up against seed number five, where Jack Armstrong laments a beer spill. And the reports are coming in. Four beers were dropped oh, courtside, and Jack is... we got to get that vendor straightened out. Right? You'll be all right, buddy. I'm you worried about you. You can drop popcorn. You can drop soda pop, water. And Come on. Okay, here it is right is... here. We gotta... Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Jack, a... are you... Oh. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Liquid we need gold more, here. We need more tissue. We need more <laughs> tissue for Jack. He's, he's, having, <laughs> he's having a hard time. Here oh, we... my goodness. There you go. I love Jack. I love that call. You got to give me the Minneapolis Miracle on that. Come on now. Seed four, the Minneapolis Miracle versus seed five, Jack laments the beer spill. Now you can go to tsn1050.ca, click on Sound Wars, and vote for your favorite, the Minneapolis Miracle or Jack laments beer spill. Voting for this Sound War closes at 3 p.m. today. So get in there. Listen to Overdrive later today for the results and for the start of a new Sound Wars battle right here on TSN 1050. All right. So with the Sound Wars being done, remember at noon, about 15 minutes time, Raptors president Masai Ujiri, we will carry the press conference live as he will address the media on the Kawhi Leonard deal that sent DeMar DeRozan out. You do not want to miss that. I'll be opening up the phones once that is finished. 416-870-1050. Toll free 855-591-6876. You can also text 105050 or tweet me at AndyMC81. So yesterday, Derek Taylor had a conversation with Argos defensive lineman Chris Van Zyl as the Argos get ready to take on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers this weekend. And for the Argos, it with James Franklin, this is going to be tough because the Bombers are coming off a stinker. Winnipeg is very good. That's going to be tomorrow at 4 p.m. here on TSN 1050. You can catch the call as it's, uh, I believe it's family day down at the uh, shipyard at BMO Field. So you can make sure to check that out. But uh, let's hear from the Argos offensive lineman with Derek Taylor. Here's Chris Van Zyl. Joined now by Argos tackle Chris Van Zyl as they get ready for Saturday's game against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Chris, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Derek. Thanks for having me. I want to ask you, uh, just on a news perspective, just to, to get out of the way, I know it's not your side of the ball, but w- not having Dylan win for a game, what, what, is it, what does it mean to the team? What kind of guy is Dylan on the field? Oh, D- Dylan is a, uh, 
Uh, he caused a lot of havoc. He moves around a lot. He's a high-energy guy that's strong and uh, moves people around. So, um, yes, of course, we'll miss him. But uh, we got guys behind him that are uh, that are able to step up, and uh, I'm sure they'll do well as well. He's a guy who who brings a lot of pressure from the interior. As an offensive lineman, what, what's the effect? Uh, how's the effect different of a guy who can get pressure from the interior versus the edge? Well, it makes life on the edge a lot more difficult as well because when you give pressure in the middle, um, the quarterback's not able to step up as much. And uh, I mean, not that it shortens the edge, but it it, it can shorten the edge if, if the quarterback's unable to step up and get away from those guys that are pursuing around the edge. He's yeah, it's it's part of a a solid. Like, I love your guys' defensive front. I think it's fantastic, and and I don't know that the results necessarily uh, so far indicate the quality. What do you think of, of having a one and three record at this point? Apart from you don't particularly like it, is it reflective of what what you've put on the field so far? Um, yes, I think the record's always reflective of what you put on the field. I mean, um, whether it's a winning record or losing record, um, and sometimes. Um, it, it isn't reflective, but I think, um, yeah, I think in this particular instance, we made enough errors and, and all three are, oh yeah, all three of those games to justify losing them. And I think, uh, the difference between winning and losing in this league, I mean, there's so much parody now you're seeing the West falling to the East and, uh, and whatnot, as, as opposed to years in the past where the West just dominated. Um, I, I think that the, the difference between wins and losses is, is so very small now that anything could happen. And, and those those penalties or the uh, the drop balls or, or the missed blocks where, uh, or the sacks or, or whatever, those, those issues on each individual play, they all kind of build up at the end of the game. And, and mm. at the end of the day, it's whoever makes the least amount of mistakes, I feel, that's winning these games. Tell me some bad stories about James Franklin. He seems like the nicest guy in the world. He must have something. He must have he's something. Close. No, I, I actually have zero dirt on the guy. He's, uh, he's, he's a great guy. Um, he's, he's very positive and happy. and um, He's the kind of guy you want to go to battle with. Um, he's done a great job um, learning and, and uh, adapting and, and getting in. Um, I mean, He's, he's new this year, so he's, he's done a hell of a job to, to get himself ready, and he's, he's played well so far. When a new quarterback comes in, I, I mean, may, maybe the offense runs the same, maybe it doesn't from where, from where I said I have I've literally no idea. There must be some changes, minor or major, on uh, for you as a tackle. What, what kind of things just are slightly different? Yeah, um, you don't always know what's happening behind you. Um, Whereas Rick, you'd always you could always really count on Rick to be in the pocket and 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 whatnot. Whereas uh, James can move around a little bit more, and um, yeah, I mean that doesn't mean with Rick it it really changed the blocking. But you have to be more aware and you have to stay a little more square as a tackle because uh, at any point in time, if he breaks contain, you got to be able to turn the shoulder and and get around the guy and be able to like reach block him essentially. Mm-hmm. It's 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 been interesting. I've been a big James Franklin guy for some time, so to see him get an extended uh, run is is going to be good. I want to ask you uh, week to week your preparation. You go into Winnipeg and you go, okay, well, I'll, I, I'm assuming you're thinking I'm going to spend a lot of time with say Jackson Jeffcoat or Tristan Opala Ugo, the defensive ends. What what's yep. your preparation for the week when you have a, a different matchup? When you think, okay, I'm going to get 
this much against Opelugo. I'm going to get this much against Jeff Coat. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to give away all my secrets or anything, but maybe so, um, maybe a few. <laughs> um, you prepare, you prepare for what their strengths are, and uh, with both of those guys, they're both long guys, so it's a little more like long arm stuff and uh, maybe a little bit of power edge working, um, like working on chops and, and traps and stuff like that to get hands off. Um, because I mean, and, and also working on getting first touch, so. It's, it's not so much them getting into you, but you're delivering a little bit of a blow as well. You need to be able to get hands-on, and if they get their hands-on first, sometimes they can push you back a little bit. You really got to work on getting hands-on first and, hmm. and working their hands and getting their hands off. So, yeah, I mean, with longer guys, which they are, um, those are the kind of things you got to work. Just seeing Opal Ugo's been wearing sleeves all season long, and you go, man, that, that sleeve is still going. Like His arms just seem like they go on forever. That's got to be super annoying. Yeah, the guy hates fat. <laughs> he hates fat. You know, and that's, and that's basically what it comes down to, is he's just trying to make sure that his arms are nice and skinny, <laughs> yeah. and he can get them through whatever hole. Uh, I mean, you got your keys on the other side of the fence. you got to be able to get your arm through the fence to pick up those keys, right? So. <laughs> I, I, That's basically the way I see it. I, I don't know why else you would wear sleeves on a hot day. Uh, yeah, who knows? <laughs> keeping it keeping it tight. Not something that, uh, that we're all able to do in quite that way. Uh, yeah. Before I, I let you go, uh, where you guys are at right now compared to where you thought you would be uh, at the beginning of the season? Um, I think we are where we're right exactly where we're supposed to be. I mean, we've learned enough about adversity in the first four games. Um, we we saw we can what our potential can be, and, and we didn't even play well. And we didn't play that well in the first game. We played well enough to win, but we really made it. And like I said before, it's we made the least amount. We made less mistakes than Edmonton did in that game. So, um, really, it's we need to we need to find a way to stop making the mistakes that are hurting us and uh, just play our game. I mean. We've played well in, in spots, and we got to put a full game together, and uh, I'm hoping that this week's the week. And, and eventually Montreal comes on the schedule, so they won't always be as hard as these teams from, <laughs> from the West. No, but we, we want to play against the best, and, and every week I think we're going to get people's best. I mean, that's something that uh, we knew coming into this season is that we got a target on our back because we did, whether guys wanted it or not, they, they have the target, and they've inherited the target of, of being Great Cup champions, so. Every week we're going to get everybody's best, and we got to be ready for that. Yeah, I should have given you the honorific on the uh, top, so I'll do it on the back end. Gray <laughs> Cup champion, Chris Van Zyl of the Toronto Argus. Yes. Thanks so much last, for joining us, man. Last year, though, not this year. <laughs> Reigning Gray Cup champion, <laughs> exactly. Chris Van Zyl. <laughs> My pleasure. Thanks, Derek. Have a good one. All right, that was Derek Taylor with Argos offensive lineman at Chris Van Zyl. We will step aside after the break, we'll get ready for Raptors President Masai Ujiri as he addresses the media. That coming up and more in Toronto Today.